and Lift Hands Big Victories, where we provide the information that you need to create victories in the lives of the little ones you love and support. I'm your host, Candy, a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a pediatric occupational therapist, a board-certified behavior analyst, an autism interventionist, and here to join me on this journey is my husband, my pastor, Greg. Greg, do you know what the oldest known toy is? Mm, Raggedy Ann. Is that your final answer? Oh, yes. Welcome to Episode 4, Part 1, Toys, Tools for Play. We're going to find out about the oldest known toy and how we can use toys to support learning in our children. And I'm going to talk about my all-time favorite toys that I recommend, and I think you might be surprised. Mm, I don't think I'll be surprised. Well, probably not you, but this is truly one of my favorite subjects. And because there is so much information, we have divided it into two parts. And as always, we're going to bring it all back to the Bible with the way we can use biblical principles to build up and strengthen our families. Thank you, Greg. And you know I love toys. Yeah, very well. When we go shopping or at an estate sale or something, if he can't find me, he knows where I am. I am looking at the toys. I am always on the market for new toys. I scan the Facebook marketplace, and when I see one of my favorites for sale, I grab it. Well, I wish it was that easy. It's more like you have to message the person, arrange for a pickup, but that's one of the benefits of having a job where I cover so many miles. I have just more toys available to pick from. You've picked up some stuff for me, haven't you? All the time. (laughs) Well, I don't just collect them. I give them away, which is the best part. But in the meantime, they're taking up valuable storage space at my home. (laughs) True. But, Greg, let's talk about why I really love toys. So, as many of you know, in my profession as an occupational therapist, it's built upon the principle of occupation, what many people refer to as work. And play is the work of children. Greg, have you ever just observed a child at play? Yes, but is that really work? Well, what is working is their brain. It's really a beautiful display of cause and effect with pure innocence and joy. But the determination, that's truly work. And the earnings for this work, in my mind, is that that child is gaining neurons. So let's start by defining what a toy really is. Webster says it's something for a child to play with. Mm, You didn't have to ask Webster's. I could have told you that. (laughs) Yes, you could. Um, When I think of toys, I really think of items that are used to support learning, whether that's cognitive, motor, language, or social-emotional skills. So let's take a minute to talk a bit about how toys evolved. Greg, the oldest known toy is not a Raggedy Ann. It's not? No, it's a yo-yo. Oh, really? No way. Yeah, but it did not become popular until the 1920s when it was produced by... Duncan. Yes. Um, Did you have one of those? Why, yeah, you know I did. But could you actually yo-yo? I was terrible. Yeah, I can see that. Uh. Yeah, could you do a paddle ball? (laughs) Nope. Hippity hop? Yes, I actually could do that. Well, toys have evolved quite a bit over time, and it said that Babylonians played a board game like checkers. 
Do you think Babylonians played cornhole? Well, I have not seen the research, but I wouldn't be surprised. Our family loves playing cornhole, don't we? Oh, we do that. Well, it was discovered that a marble game was played by ancient Egyptians, and the indigenous people created dolls out of just any available material. So it seems that people naturally are drawn to play. Yeah, it does. I like to think of play as a teaching tool to support a child's natural development through age-appropriate activities. They're just plain fun. I mean, how fun is it to just nurture a child's unlimited natural curiosity? And God made us intrinsically drawn to something that is so good for us and good for brain development. He is an amazing God. I see his hand at work, you know, in so many ways. If I just stop to recognize it. Yeah, and sometimes I think that's where I fall short. Taking time to recognize his goodness and then taking time to thank him for it. Greg, remember when we talked about synapses in our previous episodes? Yeah, I I remember that. Well, research tells us that a baby's environment during the first year has an enormous impact on brain development, and babies who experience an unstimulating environment develop fewer synapses. So the environment really does build the brain. Yes, and several years ago, my friend, who's a speech therapist, she and I created a training titled Building Intelligence Through Play. And we were convinced back then, and we're still convinced, that the experiences a child has before preschool or kindergarten have a great influence on a child's IQ and their academic success. And most research says that kindergartners come to school unprepared to learn. And if you really look closely at the research, it suggests that kindergarten is not the starting point of a child's development. If you think about it, at kindergarten, the process is really half over. But Candy, what about nature? You know the nature versus nurture debate. Yes, nature definitely plays a role. It is a beautiful interplay between the two. And play can positively support that in a big way, and research demonstrates that over and over. But before we get to specific toys, I want to talk about the concept of stimulating environment and stimulating toys. Babies and children naturally seek out stimulation. They naturally explore their environment, and they want to touch everything. Taste everything. Yes, and they want to put everything in their mouth, and I don't discourage that. You don't? No, I don't. It's part of oral motor development, hand-to-mouth skills that they'll need to use utensils later, and it's one of the many activities a baby will perform to stimulate their senses. We refer to those kind of activities as sensory motor, and it reinforces learning, expands a child's knowledge base, it supports spatial relationships, perceptual skills, And body scheme. All of that by putting a toy in their mouth. Yes. And like I said, plays really brain building. But when some families hear that their baby needs a stimulating environment, it's so easy to go overboard. The toy industry tends to encourage this, unfortunately. Some families will have a whole room full of toys that are making all kinds of sounds and switches and flashing lights and music. That sounds overstimulating. It is. Babies don't need that. In fact, during this episode, I will be giving you examples of ordinary items that you can use during play, as well as store-bought items. Is that why you never let me throw anything away, especially containers? Yes, you know better. Oh, I do. Pringles cans are like gold around this house. That's right. I love Pringles cans. So let's start with ages um, 0 to 3. That's kind of the newborn stage. At this age, it's all about you, the parent. 
and the caregiver. You are establishing yourself as the giver of all good things. You are their strongest reinforcer. You can address skills such as responding to sounds and voices using your voice or music. Like their papa singing to them? Yes, like their papa singing to them. And this, this is foundational for joint attention. Joint attention is just another way to refer to that beautiful interaction with another person. In this case, your baby. And that can occur without any words. Greg, have you ever seen a baby when there's like a loud noise or something unexpected? Yeah, they start crying. Well, they typically will quickly look at a parent or a caregiver's face first to get a clue about what just happened or to get some sort of assurance. And that face looking is joint attention. And it's what we all need for social interaction skills. And I get so excited when I evaluate a baby and I see a good face looker. Also, Greg, at this age, babies need tummy time, and families will want a surface for a baby that feel that the family feels comfortable putting their little one on. It's so easy for me to say, just put your baby down on a blanket or on the floor, but I've found that some families just aren't comfortable doing that. So I've come to the conclusion that I can't decide who hates tummy time more, babies or parents. So yeah, the baby will look like he's struggling, but he's doing an amazing workout on his belly. I like those foam play mats that can be easily wiped off, but not those ABC puzzle ones. Those things are cute, but as a baby ages, they just pull out those letters and they end up lost or covered in teeth marks. There are a variety of play mats, and I like the ones that have toys that hang down for the time that the baby's on his back. I prefer toys that make a natural sound, such as a rattle or a jingle, or an automated sound like music. Either one. Babies will begin to localize sound and track items with their vision. And by three months, a baby should be demonstrating those random hand and arm movements. And with those plastic linking rings you can buy, you can adjust the height of the toy to create opportunities for that development and the development of cause and effect while baby is on his back. As he swats and hits these little hanging items, they also have one that has a keyboard at the end, and that's great for cause and effect as well and for encouraging leg movements. Grasping begins to develop at this time, and my favorite item to support this is those lightweight rattles with those narrow handles. I see some rattles that are ridiculously heavy. It's like giving a baby a barbell. But won't, won't that make them stronger? No, especially if they can't even grasp it. I buy a set on Amazon that are perfect, and they are also good for chewing on. And I have the link on my website. So the next stage we'll cover is ages 3 to 9 months. I love this stage. Babies are starting to show their personalities, and they are able to show you that they are learning new things every day. There are so many toys geared for this age. I prefer that many toys are what are called open-ended toys, and they can be played with multiple and in a variety of ways like blocks, stacking rings. I like those traditional wooden blocks and those that are about an inch and a half or, or two inches. This time babies are developing their visual motor and fine motor skills and that size toy is perfect for them to develop more mature grasp patterns. With supervision of course because they're still wanting to put things in their mouth. A baby will begin with a whole hand grasp and as this grasp matures through play opportunities, the item will move out of the palm distally toward the fingers. As a baby increases their ability to sit in supported sitting, families can place their child in sitting at a surface, such as a small tray. 
The families I work with are encouraged to create these using a design that Greg and I created using a cookie sheet and PVC. It's really simple. The cookie sheet provides a great sound when a baby bangs blocks on it or toys on it. Families can place things like measuring cups, lids, other safe recycled items on it and create a perfect visual motor sensory opportunity. Oh, you know, you should have put that tray on the website. Well, I will. And speaking of sitting, some families have been misled into purchasing the Bumbo floor seat. If any of our listeners have this item before you place it in the trash or in the giveaway pile, take a look at how that seat creates an unnatural posture. It tilts the baby's pelvis posteriorly and wedges them in with their little arms sticking out like the Michelin man. There is no good weight bearing or opportunity for those rotational movements of the spine we need. And Lord forbid if you want to get them out, their legs are trapped in this terrible foam baby torture device. It sounds like you don't like it. I don't. Sorry, Bumbo. Make a better seat. Well, actually, I think they have made a, a better seat. It's um, called a multifunctional seat, I think. But there are other brands, too. So be sure to look at where your baby's bottom will be and make sure it's flat. I always tell my families that if their baby's posture looks a little wonky, start adjusting at the bum. That base of support is so important. Okay, let's go back. Do you think our listeners really know who the Michelin Man is? <laughs> I think so. You don't? I don't know. Wasn't he also in Ghostbusters? No, I think that was the Marshmallow <laughs> Man. <laughs> or was it Pillsbury Doughboy? Either way. The bumbo causes your baby to be in an unnatural position and look like a restrained fictional character. There are some better seats out there. That's all I'm trying to say. And we need to look at our baby's bum to make sure they're demonstrating some good posture. Um, there's some other things that we can use at this age, and one of those is a large mixing bowl. Mixing bowls? <laughs> yeah, we can use a large inverted mixing bowl between the baby's legs when they're in sitting with the parent or caregiver supporting behind to allow a bit of support and weight bearing. Um, you could also use a medium-sized ball instead of the bowl and what I call those playground balls. Mm, or a dodgeball. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I call them a grocery store ball because mm -hmm. you usually see them in those big containers at the store. Um, there's a medium-sized busy cube that's also good to work on sitting and it's also on my website. The bowl can be inverted and used to work on taking um, items out of the container and then putting them in because putting an item in a container is actually a pre-puzzle skill. Aren't babies pulling to stand about this age? Yes, and I like the Fisher-Price Laugh and Learn chair to work on sit to stand. And also, baby can be placed in kneeling, facing it, to work on playing kneeling, which is a good foundational piece of that pull to stand skill. I also like my, for my families to have a busy table, such as that leapfrog table, but there are other similar ones just as good. I like the ones that I can take the two legs off to create an angled weight-bearing surface when working on play and kneeling, and then I put it back on for all four legs so they can play in standing or pull to stand. But don't think you have to purchase items to address these skills. The, a plastic diaper wipe dispenser is usually a perfect size for supporting a baby in sitting. Um, I thought wipes are in a bag. <laughs> well, not those. Those are the refills. I'm talking about the, that plastic square dispenser thing. So sometimes I'll use um, a Fisher-Price shape sorter. You can take that lid off and turn it over and it becomes like a little stool. I had a family bring out a case of Cokes one time and it worked perfectly. 
So for all of these, sit behind the baby, make sure their feet are flat on the floor and their knees are bent. I've used a Rubbermaid container to pull up on. I've used anything available, really. It doesn't have to be store-bought. As for cognitive skills that you can address at this age, object permanence is an easy yet important skill for babies. Uh, is that when a toddler uh, scribbles on furniture with a magic marker that won't wash off? <laughs> no, but if it was, Grand Girl would be an expert at that, wouldn't she? <laughs> Yeah. Object permanence is the understanding that an item still exists even when we can't see it. It kind of starts with babies throwing their food or their spoon off the high chair. Families can use everyday items in a cloth or a blanket or a cup to work on this object permanence. We cover up an item and we say, where did it go? And a baby who's developed this understanding will uncover the item to reveal what's hidden. A very natural way of knowing that your little one has developed the skill it's when parents tell me that they hide the TV remote or their cell phone under the couch cushion or under their legs and the child quickly uncovers it. Um, the next stage is the pre-walkers and early walker stage, 10 to 18 months. And these are our movers and shakers. Imaginative toys are great for this age, but a child can learn these skills with everyday items by imitating the use of a comb to comb their hair, a spoon to feed a baby doll, or a rag to imitate parents cleaning. Isn't this age when babies start to walk? Yeah, yes it is. Um, my only recommend, recommended walk-behind toy is the Little Tax 3-in-1 activity walker. Most other walk-behind toys are too lightweight, and my little ones end up leaning forward and walking in a leaning forward motion instead of upright. Some of them are just flimsy garbage, causing my little ones to fall down. Oh, you're a toy snob. Well, I don't mean to be. I want my little ones to have confidence in their motor skills, not falling over flimsy plastic. I do like the Melissa and Doug shopping cart. It's very sturdy. It has those little anti-tip bars on it, and it's great for walking behind as well as pretending. Um, as the little one gets stronger, we can also create an activity to work on picking up items off the floor, which is good weight shifting, bending, squatting, and putting them in the basket. Babies at this age are refining their fine and gross motor skills. So remember when I said they begin to manipulate items at the tips of their fingers rather than their palm? Uh, yes, isn't that the pincher? Pin pincer. It's, it's pincer grasp. But did you know that that high level of hand skill is typically developed between just 9 and 12 months? But all babies are different. Yes, and they develop at their own pace. But just think about how God prepares our little ones for such great things by allowing them to demonstrate such a high level of hand skills at just 12 months old. They can pinch you, pick up tiny things off the floor, and eat it. Yes, and that's why childproofing your home at this age is so important. Uh, toys for this age can include simple puzzles. I don't start with that shape sorter quite yet, but we can start with simple puzzles and pegboards. Uh, what age are you talking about? Well... Believe it or not, I recommend introducing puzzles and pegboards by 18 months. And these are not independent play items. These are items that parents and caregivers will use to teach um, through teaching opportunities, helping to shape and prompt and support them initially. My favorite puzzles are hand-down Melissa and Doug puzzles. These are well-made wooden puzzles, and you can find them with and without knobs or with pegs. They make a simple three-piece puzzle, which is a good puzzle to start with at this age. My favorite beginner toy is for pegs is really not a pegboard, but it's a learning resource toy called Spike the Fine Motor Hedgehog. <laughs> it's so cute. 
These type of toys develop visual motor skills, fine motor skills, visual perceptual skills, and with every toy, there's multiple language opportunities. So, Greg, let's stop here for now. Boy, that's a lot of information. (laughs) It is, but it's an important subject that I cover every day. And I never want my families to feel that they have to spend a lot of money to create a stimulating environment for, for their child. Yeah, and the most valuable item to support play for a child is the parent. That is right. So be looking for our next episode, which will be part two of Toys, Tools for Play. Join us on our Facebook page and on our website at littlehandsbigvictories.org. So, Greg, how can we relate this topic to Scripture? Well, Candy, when I looked up the word play in several concordances, I saw that the same Hebrew word translated play is related to the Hebrew word laugh. Hmm, that makes sense. I love that. In the book of Zechariah, he tells of a vision of Jerusalem being restored and says that the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. I believe you know, that this suggests that the restoration resulted in play and that play is a celebration. That's right. And many of us, you know, we're familiar with the scripture in Ecclesiastes 3 that begins with, to everything there is a season. Well, in verse 4 it says, there is a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. You know, in this verse, the word laugh is the same Hebrew word we just referred to as being translated to play in the book of Zechariah. We can think of play as a season, a significant part of development recognized by our Heavenly Father. You know, God has given us so many interesting and wonderful creations. Just think about it. Mountains, beaches. Mm, Magnificent animals yeah, snowflakes fireflies rivers for kayaking you know he must genuinely you know he wants us to enjoy and play in his creation playing laughing and joy are so closely related and god's words tells you know he tells us that the joy of the lord is our strength amen and our most joyful celebration is yet to come so greg Guess what time it is? It is time to shine our light. That's right. Matthew 5:16 says, "Let your light so shine before men that he will see your good works and glorify your Father." During our Let It Shine moment, we spotlight a ministry or support a different outreach opportunity. In this episode, we want to shine the light locally to Clear Choice Pregnancy Resource Center. This amazing organization serves women and saves lives by providing counseling, parenting classes, needed items, and referrals to social services. They are truly an example of supporting the sanctity of life, knowing that we are made in God's image, and He has a specific plan for each and every child. We just, uh, we, you know, we just participated, you know, in the baby bottle fundraiser, didn't we? Yes, we did. Um, and we have a heart for this ministry, so find them at their website at clearchoiceprc.org. Hey listeners, if you enjoyed our episode and don't want to miss a single episode, hit subscribe. We want to connect with you on a regular basis. Visit us on our Facebook page and at our website, Little Hands Big Victories. Let's celebrate every victory together. Oh,